Good evening. This is Naziati Mohammed Yaakob. I'll be reading from Modern Architecture, A Critical History by Kenneth Frampton. And I'm reading from the chapter on Bauhaus, the Bauhaus, the evolution of an idea, 1919 and Um This is an interesting chapter that describes the Bauhaus. And the later chapter will be on a new objectivity. However, I just want to quote in particular, you know how it is in Bauhaus, we have the um, Walter Gorbius, the individual who was the first um, director of the Bauhaus. However, in early, in 1928, Gropius tendered his resignation to the mayor of Dessau and appointed mayor as his successor. Mayor in this regard is the Swiss architect Hans Mayer. The relative maturity of the institution the unremitting attacks on himself and the growth of his practice all convinced him that it was time for a change. This move radically transformed the Bauhaus and paradoxically enough, given the growing reactionary climate of Dessau, shifted its orientation still further left and even closer to the new Schocklikit position. Sorry if I pronounced that wrongly. For a variety of reasons, Maholi Nash, Brewer, and Bayer followed Gropius' lead and resigned. As Maholi Nash indicated in his letter of resignation, he disliked Hans Mayer's immediate insistence on the adoption of a rigorous design method. Quote, I can't afford a continuation on this specialized, purely objective and efficient basis, dash either productively or humanely. Under a program of increasing technology, I can only continue if I have a technical expert as my aid. For economic reasons, this will never be possible. Unquote. Largely liberated from the inhibiting influence of Gropius' star faculty, Mayer was able to steer the work of the Bauhaus towards a more, quote, socially responsible, unquote, design program. Simple, demountable, inexpensive plywood furniture came to the fore and a range of wallpaper was produced. More Bauhaus designs were being manufactured than ever before, although the emphasis was now placed on social rather than aesthetic considerations. Mayer organized the Bauhaus into four major departments, architecture, bracket, now called building, for polemical reasons, bracket, advertising, 
wood and metal production and textiles. Supplementary scientific courses such as industrial organization and psychology were introduced into all departments, while the building section shifted its emphasis to the economic optimization of plan arrangements and to methods for the precise calculation of light, sunlight, heat, loss, stroke gain, and acoustics. This ambitious program required an increase in faculty so that Whitworth's appointment as a technician was soon complemented by that of the architect, stroke planner Ludwig Hildesheimer, the engineer Alka Rudelt, and a studio staff comprising Alfred Arndt, Carl Frieger, Edvard Heiberg, Heiberg and Mart Stark. Despite Mayer's concern to prevent the Bauhaus from becoming a tool of left-wing party politics, bracket, he resisted an attempt to form a student communist cell, bracket, a remorseless campaign against him finally forced the mayor to demand his resignation. Mayer revealed his understanding of the situation in an open letter to the mayor, Fritz Hatz. Quote, it was no use explaining to you that a Bauhaus dissolve group of the German Communist Party was an impossibility from the party organization point of view. No use my assuring you that my political activities were of a cultural and never a party character. Municipal politics require you to provide resounding Bauhaus successes, a brilliant Bauhaus facade, and a prestigious Bauhaus director. Okay. I don't want to go any further, but what I mentioned just now when we talk about the socially responsible design program and where he um, he created four major departments, architecture, advertising, wood and metal production, and textiles. So when we call it building as well. So this is very much when we talk about uh, emphasizing on the economic optimization of plan arrangements uh, and talk about acoustics and orientation of the sun and this very much to do with the engineering aspects uh, or building aspects rather than art architecture linking to art and design or linking architecture to more on, on design and art basically or the artist elite that uh, that Gropius uh, had designed the program to be earlier. And we did talk about Hans Mayer in another podcast session earlier and him being the number one misfit or him being, that is, I'm not saying that he is, um, the one that we refer to when we talk about an architecture school that is bent on a more engineering and object, objectifying uh, sort of subjects rather than art and design. But um, I think his programs were more for, in reaction to the times, he had to, well, his, his, Personally, he was focusing more on social responsibility and the more functional side of architecture. 
and when we see the reaction by Mahoney Naj um, and, res and, and re resigning because Maya is being made the director, you can see that the artist elite do not agree with Maya's stance on, on, on a more practical architecture programs for Bauhaus. We can see that from the four major departments mentioned earlier. And um, this is, um, we don't have that now, these departments together. What we have is architecture aligned more to the other construction professionals um, of quantitative surveying, uh, uh, real estate management, and um, pla uh, planning, and building surveying. In our next design thesis batch, which is doing the UM school, uh, UM um, Laya campus, in particular the Faculty of Architecture project, um, is entitled Faculty of Built Environment and Allied Arts. So. Um, we still have the old programs and added in industrial design and added in uh, fine arts and so on. Um, it's just a bit of everything that in this day and age, there's no really a, a philosophical, a one philosophical approach to why we do that. and. It's more like in reacting to what's in existence and don't wanting to omit that and just adding this. And I think what we added is the practical arts as well. Um, I mean, practical programs of fine art and industrial design. And there's a reason for studying fine arts, including art and design. And... Obviously, as a university, you'd want to have these programs because it is in demand. The industry demands of it. Um, it's how you would conduct these programs is, that would be um, um, as mentioned in another article that I read on the Le Côte de Beaux-Arts Bauhaus and the Black Mountain College uh, by Lena Potzikova, affiliated to Rice University. Um, these three school models, including the Beaux-Arts, influence what is architecture education now, but they had a model that is much more clearer than what we have now in the light of the situation at that time or in the context of the time or social milieu. So at the moment now, it's more of market demand more than anything. You know, we don't have chance to actually 
review what's happening and change things. It's just, um, if there's a demand, have it, you know. If there is a way to do it, have it. Um, you can get the staff, you can get the expertise, do it. Especially if, uh, if it's competitive enough, it would add to um, getting the higher ranking. Why not? Interna internationalization, why not? But, but we, we decided to add those programs because we felt that that was the missing programs industrial design and fine arts. There's two other that James added, and we will talk about later, but why I'm talking about that is, and this is, I'm trying to find the reason why we are doing what we're doing. I mean, as a lecturer for the last 20 years or so, I just follow what is required to be done. And we can see the gaps, the missing gaps. When we teach theory and philosophy, we are trying to fill some gaps, but not all the gaps in, in learning about architecture, theory, and philosophy. And we try to make it as practical as possible so it feels like it's useful. And... Um, I'm even critical about what I did on that one. But with regard to this Unit 2 Design Thesis Studio, we found a formula for how to, to get the, the best experience done, to, get, to provide for the best experience for the students to, 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 to be challenged. But, uh, you know, in light of um, bureaucracy or um, interests uh, by, because we, we, we live in a community, so it is of not the interests of others that we conduct as such. Who is to say that we are doing is right, except it's proven that the graduates are more confident and so on. And who is to say that the other graduates are not confident? We're not saying that. We just focus on what we're trying to do. But sometimes that is not enough. So this is just another discussion on some provocation um, and not provocation in a bad sense, but to think further about what we're doing with our architecture education courses and which um, what we do now in the studio is an indication of what we are thinking about and what we are limited what are our limitations and what resource that we need to um, pull together in order for us to do the job necessary 
is a form of social responsibility more than anything else. Be it we are full-time lecturer or part-time lecturer or even a guest critique, there is some sense of social responsibility, which is important for us to have. So I think that is what I'm trying to say in this podcast. What is social responsibility for an architect? educator such as myself and those associated with me and why not why not we start this question now and we continue with it in another session thank you so much for listening